need to prepare our hearts to make room for the Lord. That's part of us simply responding to Jesus. Right now, God is inviting each one of us to make some room in our hearts for Jesus in a fresh way. And in a lot of ways, the birth of Jesus that we commemorate at Christmas time is about God making room in humanity for redemption. There's something profound about how when you're in a very dark place, even the smallest glimmer of light totally changes everything. This holiday season, Pastor Daniel invites you on a journey to explore how Jesus, the light of the world, continually works to transform everything his light touches. You'll be encouraged to make a space for the Lord so that he can shine his light into the dark parts of your life and usher in healing and hope. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Light of the World. Memory is a really powerful thing, isn't it? The memories that we have, how we see life, and we look back on times and we can remember feelings. For many of us, songs become a soundtrack to different times in our life. Now, I was thinking about this idea of chasing the light. You know, this is a Christmas series. And I started thinking about when Christmas began to be transformed in my life from a holiday that we celebrated to a reality of the fact that I needed God to send Jesus on a rescue mission. Do you remember what that felt like, though? That time, maybe when you could say for yourself, I need to know God. I am not the way I want to be right now. I, I realize for some of us that was a long time ago, right? Others of you, maybe you're here today and you're having those feelings like, I wonder what, who God is. I wonder what God thinks about who I am. I wonder what life would look like if I believed in God, trusted in God. See, the idea of chasing the light is a beautiful thing because the light is seen and then we respond to the light. See, and we're going to talk about a lot of different things in this series, but, but really the idea of chasing the light is when you see the light, what do you do? I remember for me some 20 years ago, uh, in my last kind of clip of my life in college, I was beginning to become aware that life could be different than what I was living. There was a number of circumstances that all kind of came together. One, I had lost my mom a a little bit earlier, and I remember not really knowing what to do with the concept of uh, death, life after death. I didn't have that, that those thoughts until I had experienced the loss of my mom. And I remember at the same time, I was grappling with those feelings that you have when you're in your early 20s, some, for some people it has been at different times, when you start looking at your life and you look at how life works and you start to ask yourself, is this really what life's all about? Is this all there is? For me, it was very much, I was struggling because I was experiencing all the things that I thought was supposed to be what life was when you're a 
20-year-old in college. All the fun, but deep down it wasn't truly fun. It was like it was fun for a moment, and then it left me feeling like, is this all that there is? And then I started thinking, if this goes on for 20 more years or 40 more years or 60 more years, how empty must life be? Those are heavy thoughts for a 20-year-old, right? And at the same time, I'm looking at not only my life, but I'm looking at the world around me, and I'm saying to myself, there's got to be something bigger. And I remember that first crack in my heart where I started to cry out for the light. I started to think to myself, if all of life is just me seeking to fulfill the desires that I have, this is a pretty nasty hamster wheel I find myself on. And I remember when I started to chase the light. I wouldn't even know what I was looking for, really. Only to later realize what light truly is. Now, that's my story, but I realize that each one of us has a story. Each one of us, if you can look back, if it was a time in the past, or maybe you're like, man, right now, Fusco, that's where I'm at right now. There's something that I'm waiting for, I'm longing for. That's what this series is about, because really, that's what Christmas is about. Christmas, whether we like it or not, is about learning how to wait on God for what God wants to do. I've been thinking about this a lot, that the only thing worse than having to wait on God is not waiting on God and wishing you had. Think about that for a second. The only thing worse than having to wait on God is choosing not to wait on God, but wishing that you had. Because you make a bad decision, a wrong decision. You begin to get out ahead of God. But for the, for the church historically, the four weeks leading up to the commemoration of the birth of Jesus that we commonly call Christmas was a time that they called Advent. And, and one of the primary realities of Advent was the ability to, it's a time of waiting and it's a time of preparation. It's a time of preparation. And the idea of the preparation, of course, is before the birth of Jesus, all sorts of things needed to happen for Jesus to be born. There needed to be a, a, a census called by, by a, a Roman Caesar. Uh, Mary and Joseph had to move from or, or travel from where they were in Nazareth down to, to Bethlehem. Obviously, the idea of the, the innkeeper who didn't make any room in the inn, the, the idea that all of us need to prepare our hearts to make room for the Lord. That's part of us simply responding to Jesus. Right now, God is inviting each one of us to make some room in our hearts for Jesus in a fresh way. And in a lot of ways, the birth of Jesus that we commemorate at Christmas time is about God making room in humanity for redemption. We're going to be exploring this together in a series that we're calling Chase the Light. And so if we're going to talk about the light, you know, there's a, a biblical principle called the law of the first mention that if you want to understand a topic, you should go to the first place that it's mentioned. So if we're going to look at what the light of the world is all about, I want you to open your Bibles to where it all began, Genesis chapter 1. Go ahead, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be taking verses 1 to 5 together, and then we're 
In a little bit, we'll be moving uh, into the Gospels as well. But if you're, if you're new to the Bible, you got an easy, easy go at you today because Genesis 1 is the very first page of text in your Bible. So if you uh, brought your Bible with you, I want you to open it up to the very first page of actual Scripture. Maybe there's a title page. Maybe there's some details about the translation you're reading. But when you get to the very first book of the Bible, it's the book of Genesis chapter 1. If you have a smartphone, you can use that as well. Uh, just type in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. I want you to be able to read along with me. So look at what it says. The book of Genesis, chapter 1, picking up in verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, quite simply, you have to realize from these verses here that God gave light first. God gave light first. The the first thing that God did was he gave light in the midst of all of this. Now, don't miss that. If we're going to the first thing of what the Bible says, you go to Genesis chapter 1 and you realize that the very first thing that God gave was light. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Out of all the things that God could have given, God gave light first. Now, I've been really reflecting on this uh, recently through a number of things that have gone on, and it made me, it's made me laugh that what I've realized is that part of my job as a pastor is to be very bold about proclaiming truths that are very unpopular. You know, it's like one of my great joys, right? Like, so like I, I get to, I get to share unpopular beliefs. And what I have found is that there are beliefs that are unpopular, uh, that the church holds in the world in which we live in. And then there are beliefs that pastors are supposed to share that become very unpopular within the body of Christ as well. Right. And so I get the, I get the beautiful privilege of being able to share and teach and try and persuade you to trust the scriptures to believe things that are unpopular. Now, I always like to say that the book that the Bible is the most controversial book that's ever lived because the very first verse says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, which makes the Bible the most controversial book that's ever written. Because the Bible begins with there is a God who already exists and everything that was created was created by a personal God. Right? And right there, is that a popular belief in the world in which we live today? No, but guess what? I believe it because it's in the Word of God. And so, so we start with the fact that God is the creator. In the beginning, it doesn't say that God was created. It says, in the beginning, the God who always has been created the heavens and the earth. So we have the creator God. Now, what's interesting is it says that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And so this idea is that everything was darkness. There was no form. There was no substance, right? And darkness was everywhere. And then we learn that the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And so what you have is you have God the Father and now you have the Holy Spirit together. Two of the three persons of the Godhead right there in the first two verses. There is darkness. The spirit is there. The Father is there. And then of course to complete the Trinity it says in verse 3, then God said. That's the word of God. 
the Logos, and we're going to see in a little bit who the Word of God is. Who's the Logos? Jesus, the Son. So if you ever doubt the doctrine of the Trinity, I know the word Trinity never shows up in the Bible. It doesn't need to. It's on every single page of it. But in the beginning, the book of Genesis, you have God creating, you have the Spirit hovering, and you have God speaking the Word. You You have the first look at the Trinity in the very first three verses. But notice what God said. God says, let there be light, and it says what? There was light. That's why I said that God gave light first. Now, I think this is very powerful because really what you have is that darkness exists and God speaks light into the darkness. And listen, this is how God works, not only in the creation of of the cosmos, of the created order, but this is exactly what God does in a a human being. God sees us and, and outside of Christ, we are in darkness. Now, I'm not saying that you're the most dark. You're, you're like a black hole of darkness. There, there's some good things about you, but there is darkness and God speaks light into a person's life. If you're here today and you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, it's because God proactively, unilaterally spoke light into your life. And our job when God speaks light into our life is for us to respond to that light. For us to, to, to allow that light to take, to have its perfect work in our hearts. Right now, God is speaking light into each one of us. And not only through the teaching of the, of the scriptures, but in your circumstances. For how many of us right now, there are situations going on and there is a light that's on the horizon that you're like, maybe I should follow that. But maybe because of habits and hangups and hurts and struggles, you see that light on the horizon. You're like, well, I'm kind of good right here, right now. But deep down, there's a part of you that's longing to go after that light, isn't it? I'm here to tell you today, I want you to chase that light. I want you not to let the light be on the horizon far away. I want you to start moving towards the light. See, that's simply responding to Jesus. That's what God wants. He lets us make decisions. And our job is to say, oh, I see the light over there. I'm going to walk in that direction. You know what that's called when you, when you see the light on the horizon and you take a step towards it? That's called walking by faith. It's saying, I don't need to stay where I am. And I remember for me some 20 years ago when I began to realize I didn't need to stay where I was. That there was a, a light calling out. And in the midst of my friends and the circumstances of my life, it was easier just to stay where I was. It was easier just to keep partying with my friends who I love so much. It was easier just to live life in the habits that I had. But then there was this crying out, this light in the horizon that was like, hey, there's something else over there. It's amazing, uh, you know, when you start thinking about light, you begin to, to realize, of course, that, you know, light, it moves at 186,000 miles per second. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm going 80 on the highway, which I don't do very often, <laughs> that feels kind of fast, you know? And then I start thinking about that. That's 80 miles, what? An hour. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. What that means is that given the sun's distance from the earth, 
It takes the light of the sun to about a little bit less than eight and a half minutes to reach us. So every time when you look in the morning and we have those unbelievable sunrises here in the Pacific Northwest with with the clouds and the fog, that's actually light that's eight and a half minutes old from the sun to it finally reaches us. But the beauty is, is that although maybe it takes some time to reach us, it reaches us just the same. And God is inviting all of us to chase the light, to follow him. That's why it says in Psalm 36, verse 9, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. In your light, in in God's light, we begin to see light. See, the reason God can speak and give light first is because God is light already. And the God who is light chooses not to leave us in darkness, but he chooses to share his light with us. Notice verse 4 of Genesis chapter 1, it says, And God saw the light, that it was what? It was good. Isn't that the truth? The light's good. Now, any of you who are parents know what it's like when you, maybe you're checking in on your kids and you walk into their room and it's dark and you step on that amazingly shaped Lego. Look, I mean, parents like, oh, I know that. So I like, you, you realize that the makers of Lego, like they're mean. They know your kids want the Legos. Now they're making Lego movies and everything and the whole nine. And they know that for every parent, there's nothing worse. Because no matter how much you clean up those Legos, there's always one of those little buggers. They're just like hiding out like a heat-seeking missile for the bottom of your foot. Right? But, But sure enough, you know if the light's on, you're not stepping on that bright red Lego. But when the light is off, what happens? Step right on it. You know, it's one thing, and we, and we do it in our homes because you kind of know the lay of the land of your home. So it's like we're more apt to be safe walking in the dark in our homes because you kind of know how many steps it is. You know where the, where, where the furniture is. And, and so in some ways, we feel more comfortable in the dark at places that we're personally acquainted with. But the thing is, is that for each one of us, we live in worlds that we actually aren't acquainted with where all the pitfalls are, where all the obstacles are. And God, when he speaks light in the darkness, says, it's good. And then what, what does God do? God divides the light and the darkness, it says. Right? And, and you have to realize this. Like, people struggle with Jesus because Jesus says things, I did not come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. And the idea is that what Jesus is saying is, I came to make a division amongst people. Those who are children of light and those who are children of darkness. And people don't like that, but guess what? The only way for light to come to a human being is through their faith in Jesus because God, the light, shares his light. And that divides up people into two categories. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what what your educational attainments are. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your political persuasion is. It doesn't matter if you've achieved all your dreams or you feel like you failed at all your dreams. The one dividing light thing that God sees is between light and darkness. And it's as old as creation, where God is saying, look, when light exists, darkness cannot. 
And what God is not interested in is for you and I to be some sort of light that's got kind of like, you know, variations, dimmable lights. God wants us to be light. And he divides the light from the darkness. And then, of course, we realize that God creating the light, giving the light first, it gives us a difference between day and night. It's the most essential division in all of creation, but has powerful spiritual realities to it. There's light and there is darkness, just as there is day and there's night. Now, from there, I want you to turn to your right all the way into the New Testament to John chapter 1. We're going to take verses 1 to 9. We, we, we begin with creation, right? And then as you move to John's gospel, which is the fourth of the fourth book in the New Testament, the fourth of the four gospels, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What's beautiful here is the apostle John, in beginning his telling of the story of Jesus, also begins with creation. So John chapter 1, picking up in verse 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Some translations said the darkness could not overcome it. Now, you realize that what John is doing here is he's bringing us back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, that we already read. But he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word with God, and the Word was God he was in the beginning with God. So you have this idea that the word is a person, a, a he, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Now, what is this teaching us? Quite simply, it's teaching us is Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light, right? All things were made through him, but without him nothing was made that was made. So this idea that Jesus, although humanity waited for so long for this child to be born of a virgin, some 2,000 years back in history for us, but for all of humanity before, they couldn't wait for this to happen. This thing that they waited for, this person that they waited for, he, Jesus, is the light, the light that was essential in creation. Jesus says it this way, John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, I want you to notice some things about that. Remember how we talked about how God divided the light from the darkness? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk where? In darkness. Just like day is different from night, there's a distinct difference between light and darkness. Well, today, Pastor Daniel linked the light that's described in the first moments of creation to Jesus, the light of the world. You were reminded that just as the light of the sun divides day from night, Jesus separates you from the dark 
broken parts of your life with his light. You no longer walk in darkness when you're connected to Jesus. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will help you to understand the restoration that Jesus wants to bring to you when he shines his light on your life. You'll learn that some of the areas of change are obvious, but that Jesus wants to go deeper than surface level. He gets at the darkness that's deeper in your heart so that you can live in the freedom and health that comes with the abundant life he has for you. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue this teaching called Chase the Light next time. Until then, may God bless.